Hello, my darlings, and welcome to today's episode of A Little Bit Human. I am your scrumptious host, Isha Jane, and we're going to do things a little differently today. So strap yourselves in and make sure your headphones are plugged in. Um, I guess if you've got AirPods, make sure your AirPods are in your ears. I don't really know what the equivalent would be. But either way, we've got something new planned for you. Today, we're going to play Two Truths and a Lie. Now, if you don't know what that is, I'm going to explain it to you. It's essentially a party game or an icebreaker where a person tells you three things or tells three stories about themselves and everyone else has to decide which two of the things are true and which one is false. Now, this game seems to have become a bit of a party favorite, especially in 2020. I can't tell you how many times I've played this over Zoom. It's a bit weird. I'm going to tell you three stories about the weirdest things that royalty has done. So we're going to be spending some time with some pretty strange kings or queens. I don't know what it was about being a royal in historical times that just made people absolutely batshit insane, because like 90% of the stuff that they did back then would get them committed nowadays. I'm pretty sure the only reason they weren't committed back then is because they had the power to be like, off with their heads, if anyone, you know, irritated them. And between being executed and having to deal with a mad king, I would choose the mad king. So back to two truths and a lie. I'm going to tell you three stories. Two of them are true. One of them is false. And it's up to you to figure out which is which. Now, don't go Googling them. I mean, you could, you know, you could Google them. You could find out which one's right and which one's wrong. But that would just ruin the fun, right? Once you think you've figured out which one is the interloper, side note, what a lovely word, interloper. But I want you to let me know. And I'm going to tell you at the end of the podcast how you can comment, how you can message me, stuff like that. Now, I've also asked the founder of A Little Bit Human and producer of this lovely podcast to join me today to keep me company while I ramble on about European royalty. Say hi, Thor. Hi. How are you doing today? Doing pretty good. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Are you excited to learn about European royalty? Oh, never been more excited. <laughs> so just like you, lovely listeners, Thor has never heard the stories I'm about to tell. So he actually doesn't know which ones are true and which one is false. So he's going to basically guess along with you guys. He's going to give you a little commentary, his opinions, and we'll see if he guesses it right or not. I'm curious to see how many people, how many of you are actually able to guess right, because um, only I have only told one person this and they guessed right. But to be fair to them, they did have insider knowledge. So we'll see. Um, but for now, let's get right into it. So our first story requires us to travel back to the 14th century. Lovely time, the 14th century. I'm lying. The 14th century was shit. But we follow a young Portuguese prince by the name of Peter I. Now, we've already covered my personal annoyance with the naming practices of kings and queens. I spoke about it in our episode on witchcraft, which if you haven't seen, if you haven't heard, sorry, go check it out. Because, I mean, witchcraft, it's pretty fucking cool. But essentially, royals, I have a message for you. Stop naming your kids after dead kings and queens and then just adding numbers onto them. It's weird. It's almost as bad as Albus Severus Potter. Don't even get me started on that. Anyways, our Portuguese prince. Peter was everything that a king could hope for in a crown prince. He was young. He was healthy. He was 
moderately attractive. He was intelligent-ish, I think. And Peter was married to a young noblewoman named Constanza. But this story isn't about her. No, 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 no. This story is about Constanza's young lady-in-waiting, Ines de Castro, rumoured to have been exceptionally beautiful, exceptionally intelligent, and exceptionally talented at everything that she did. Can you tell where this story is going to go? Now, it wasn't long before Ines caught the prince's eye, and the two of them began having a torrid secret affair. Salacious. But, unlike most royals who've had an affair throughout history, the prince and Ines actually fell in love. So much so that when Constanza, um, Peter's wife, when she died, uh, Peter petitioned the king to have Ines replace her as his princess or his queen or his consort. I don't know. Royal titles confuse me. Now, the king was worried about Ines's influence on the prince. The details aren't really important, but this is a bit of interesting gossip, historical gossip for you. Constanza, Peter's late wife was actually the daughter of a Castilian nobleman who was currently in power, and Ines was the illegitimate daughter of an exiled Castilian nobleman. So basically, Peter not being able to keep it in his pants could have had damaging implications for the kingdom. And the king took one look at Ines and was like, ah, ah, no. But Peter was a hot-blooded young man. He was a royal who was used to getting his way. So instead of listening to the king, he moved Ines to a secret villa in Albuquerque, not Albuquerque, America. They even had three children. Now, the king was worried that Ines's children might grow up to make a claim on the throne, so he ordered her killed. Sadly, Ines was brutally murdered in front of her children, and her death caused Peter to go, well, to go insane. He hunted down her killers and ripped their hearts out of their chests, claiming that since they had destroyed his heart, he would do the same to them. Ugh, European royalty. So graphic and tragic and dramatic. But that's not the weirdest part of the story, right? That was fairly standard for the 14th century. No, the weird part comes into play after Peter took over the throne and became king in 1357. Now, his court were all like, Peter, you have to remarry. You need to have an heir so you can carry on the line. But he insisted that he had secretly married Ines before she died. And so her children were the only legitimate heirs. And to prove, here we go. Are you ready? To prove just how serious he was, Peter had Ines's body exhumed. He had them dig up her corpse, put makeup on her, do up her hair, cover her in royal robes and jewels, and he placed the crown on her head and called her his queen. He literally had her, her corpse sitting on the throne next to him. Yeah, you've heard of corpse bride? Here comes the corpse queen. I mean, he took this so far that he even forced members of the Portuguese nobility to like come and bow down before her and kiss her hand and the hem of her dress. Can you imagine being Portuguese nobility and you're like, finally, the king has remarried. Let's go see the queen. And you're like super excited and you get there and there is a corpse on the throne and you look at the king and you're like, yo, Peter, what's going on? And he's just like, kiss her hand, kiss her hand or you die. And so you kiss her hand. Oh my God. I shudder to think of what else he did with that corpse. It's just a boy who loved a girl so much that he dug up her dead body and put her on the throne. I'm not a romantic, and thank God that I'm not, but gosh, don't you just love love? <laughs> and that, lovely people, concludes our first 
story. I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to take it in, to absorb the absurdity, to ponder whether or not you believe it's true. Thor, what do you think? I don't know. Um, I mean, it's a beautiful story. Beautiful. <laughs> it warms my heart. <laughs> yes, it's beautiful. I mean, come on, like loving beyond the the border of life and death. Like it's it's pretty beautiful. Okay, but like he dug up her corpse. <laughs> sort of sure, sure. Yeah, I know. If you say so. Yeah, but the things you do for love. If I can quote Game of Thrones. Oh yeah, the things you do for love. I mean, I would not know. Mm. But I'm assuming that people like to do things for love. They do. They do. We do. <laughs> we do. <laughs> <laughs> well, thoughts on thoughts on true or false? Um, I don't know. Like history tends to be kind of messed up sometimes. So, true. um, I don't know. I'm kind of leaning on the towards the truth end of the spectrum, but mm -hmm. I don't know. There's, there's, there's something there. Uh, I think I need to need to hear the other two stories to be able to properly compare. That you do, that you do. All right, lovely listeners. I hope you're ready now because it's time for story number two. Story number two actually revolves around a pretty well-known royal, and that is Mary, Queen of Scots, also known as Mary I of Scotland. Now, I'm going to have to apologise in advance because this particular story is probably going to have lots of really bad Scottish accents from me. But you know what? I just believe that it enhances the storytelling experience, so you're going to have to deal with it. Right, let me give you a little bit of background on Mary, Queen of Scots. She actually became the queen at the tender age of six. And no, that's not six years old. She became queen at six days old. She was born on the 8th of December and her dad died on the 14th of December and she was crowned queen on the 14th of December. I think she might actually be the youngest ruler to ever be crowned. Now, of course, she wasn't doing much ruling initially. She wasn't doing much beyond eating and pooping and crying. She had a whole host of regents rule for her. Her mum, her uncle, a creepy priest who showed up for a while. And she herself ended up in France. And she was she basically grew up in the French court where she was beloved by all, except one noblewoman who thought that she was trying to steal her husband. Now, the funny thing about Mary, Queen of Scots, is that she's often mistaken for being the Mary behind the Bloody Mary myth. For those of you who don't know what the Bloody Mary myth is, it's a legend about a spirit or a ghost named Mary. <coughs> Settle in, listeners. I'm about to tell you the Bloody Mary myth. If you chant her name three times, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, into a mirror, the spirit of Mary will appear behind you in the mirror, covered in blood. Now, of course... I was one of those teenagers who thought it would be cool to try this. And of course, nothing happened. And of course, me being me, I was mighty disappointed that a potentially violent spirit didn't show up in the bathroom and chalk me. I was a weird teenager. The Mary in this legend um, actually refers to Mary I of England, who is Henry VIII's daughter. But she was a cousin of Mary, Queen of Scots. A lot of people do believe Mary, Queen of Scots, is the one the legend refers to. And let me tell you why. Now is when we get to the interesting part of Mary's life. Actually, that's not fair. Mary had a very interesting life. Sometime I'll tell you about her death, um, which I'm pretty sure was the inspiration for Nearly Headless Nick in Harry Potter. Anyways, 
Mary grew up in the French court. She actually had quite a few husbands and quite a few suitors and quite a few lovers because it's the French court, guys. Many sources even say that she definitely had a hand in the deaths of a couple of those men. But what most historians tend to agree on is that Mary had a very specific ritual, which she used to do before any sort of big event, right? Before she was meeting with a suitor or if she was meeting with another royal, if she was meeting with her regent, you get the gist. And it was something that she allegedly picked up from a noblewoman in the French court. So Mary would start by pouring herself a glass of white wine. We've all done it poured ourselves a nice big glass of wine to calm our nerves before a big event, unless you're underage, in which case don't drink, kids. But bear with me, right? It's not the wine. It's what she would put into it. Before any big event or day, Mary would direct her personal guard to go out and slaughter a wild horse, bringing it back to her residence. After doing so, the animal was then carefully bled dry, every single drop of blood milked from it, and the blood was mixed into Mary's wine, which she used to drink as a pick-me-up for nerves. Yeah. Oh yeah. Some sources even say that after her first wedding to the Dauphin of France, when she was 16, she was so nervous that on her wedding night she had her she had her personal guard slaughter a horse from her husband's stables and bring a glass of this concoction to her wedding bed. And she made her personal maid, made her personal maid, <laughs> she made her personal maid mix it in red wine rather than white wine. So her new husband didn't catch on. Can you imagine if he, uh, if he had asked her for a sip? Oh my God. How would she have refused him? Would he have taken a sip? Would he have figured out the ritual? Worrying. I suppose it was her version of pre-gaming. You know when you don't want to go to something, but you have to, so instead to deal with it, you drink an entire liquor store? Uh, Mum and Dad, if you're listening, that's not me. I've never done that. I have never touched alcohol in my life. Oh, God, can you imagine if, like, before every date you went on, you were like, excuse me, I need to go and slaughter an animal. Don't mind me. I mean, forget cocktails and wine coolers. Mary was a straight-up vampire. Now, this next part, there's a bit of disagreement on. Um, there's not enough evidence either way, but some historians suggest that she may have even bathed in the blood of horses as a way to maintain her fair and delicate complexion. Who said experimental skincare was a modern thing, eh? It's really not surprising that people mistakenly believed that she was the inspiration behind the Bloody Mary myth. Now, while that's not true, I personally like to believe that her unusual drinking habits could have inspired the Bloody Mary drink. Um, yeah. I mean, blood tastes gross enough on its own, but when you mix it in with wine, oh, God. Ugh, I shudder to think Coppery. about it. Coppery. I know. Why would you want coppery wine? Just drink your wine like a normal person. <laughs> oh, God. But, yeah, so that is the story of the blood-sucking queen. Bloodsucking Scottish Queen, I should add. And that concludes story number two. Thor, did you like that story? I did. I did. I've never mm-hmm. actually tried a Bloody Mary, so I'm not cultured oh. enough to you know, speak on the drink. But They're really not very nice. I don't know why people... I think people like to drink them after hangovers, but they're just like tomato juice and Tabasco yeah. sauce and vodka. Ugh, it's not nice. Yeah, it's like... Tomato juice in a cocktail doesn't sound like something. I mean, tomato juice in anything is gross. Yeah. Except maybe pizza. <laughs> That's tomato sauce. <laughs> That's not tomato juice. 
Can you imagine if you poured tomato juice all over your pizza? Wait, is that not what you're supposed to do? Thor, I worry for you constantly. (laughs) (laughs) But thoughts on the story? Well, um, I'm going to say, well, because I know the Marys, both of them. I'm not, I don't know their, their, either of the, their stories well enough mm-hmm. to say whether this is based on them or not. But, um, but because it's rooted in, in real people, mm-hmm. I'm going to say that I'm leaning towards this one not being the false, like not mm-hmm. uh, being the false one. I don't know. But we'll see after the third one. Maybe oh, yeah. we're going to talk about aliens there and it's going to give it away. <laughs> the third one is interesting. <laughs> I, to be fair, all three... Okay, so I, lovely, lovely people, I'm going to give you a hint. All three of these stories are real royals. Um, okay. So that part you don't need to worry about. I realize now I'm thinking about story number three and the previous two stories, and I'm realizing that they're all particularly gory or morbid. Like, what does that say about royals throughout history? Oh, God, what does that say about me as a person? (laughs) Quite a lot. Quite a lot. Jesus Christ. Now is not the time to have an existential crisis. So I'm going to put that (laughs) thought on the back burner. And I'm going to start with story number three, our final story. Now, for our third and final monarch, we have a Russian czar. Because there's no way I could have done an episode about crazy monarchs and not included a Russian. Historians everywhere would have shunned me. The few Russian friends I have would have shunned me. You know, there are countless stories about czars. I mean, those Russian czars were, they did a whole lot of crazy things. But this one, this one might take the cake. You could even say that it might take the vodka. That was a really bad joke. Please ignore me. Now, incidentally, our third monarch is also named Peter. But unlike the Portuguese king, our Peter is the third of his name, and he was the Tsar of Russia for a measly six months before he was overthrown by his wife. Only six months in power, and yet he managed to do something weird enough to make the list. Okay, so a little bit of background on our dear Tsar. He he was actually originally raised in the German court, and he was supposed to sit on the Swedish throne when he was 14. But his aunt Elizabeth became Empress of Russia, and she basically swooped in and kidnapped him. Okay, so kidnapped is a strong word, but essentially she was like, you know what, I think you're better suited to the throne of Russia than the throne of Sweden. And she nabbed the heir to their throne and made him the heir to hers. Honestly, European royalty, especially in history, gives out such incestuous vibes. It's insane. I mean, take Peter, for example, right? This is a boy who's connected to Russian royalty, German royalty, Swedish, the Swedish throne, the Russian throne. And I'm pretty sure he was also indirectly connected to French royalty. And that's not even that bad. Remind me sometime to tell you the story of King Ferdinand, whose family tree, if you draw it out, is a literal circle. So it starts with his great great grandparents who had kids, who had kids, who had kids, who married each other and had Ferdinand. The circle closes itself. (laughs) It's insane. Anyways, so back to Peter. Peter was stolen from the German court and brought to Russia, and he hated it. And the Russians hated him just as much. His childhood was horrible, um, and it definitely left its mark on him because as an adult, he was a psychotic man-child. And that's not just me making a phrase. No, this is a phrase that was used in history books. But Peter, right, had a military kink. Now, there's nothing wrong with liking the military, 
I am not king shaming, but Peter had a military king to shame all other military kings. What do I mean by that? Well, remember how I said he was a man child, right? He was essentially a child in a man's body. And he had scores of military dolls of officers and soldiers and generals that he would play with almost constantly. I mean, he wouldn't be able to go to bed unless he had played with his military dolls before sleeping. He even forced his wife to dress up as a soldier so that he could pretend to be a general and force her through intense, rigorous military drills. It wasn't even sexual. Actually, you know what? Looking back on it, it may have been sexual. (laughs) It may have been sexual. It usually is. But it all came to a head one day when, while playing with his dolls, he got a summons from someone somewhere. I don't know. He left his dolls, essentially, in his bedroom and went to do something else. And when he came back into the room, he found that one of the dolls' heads had been chewed up and disfigured. And there were like bite marks in it. And there was a rat in the corner of the room. So it was pretty clear to him who the culprit was. But instead of doing the normal thing and, I don't know, killing the rat, he captured it and put it on trial. He held a full-scale military tribunal for the rat. He was judge, he was the jury, and he also called some of his, like, personal soldiers, members of his guard, to come and act as witnesses. Now, this poor rat never stood a chance. Peter ended the military trial by proclaiming the rat guilty of treason. Treason, lovely listeners, which, by the way, is when a person betrays their country or, you know, tries to kill the sovereign, not when a rat chews the head off of a doll. (laughs) And he swiftly and promptly had the rat hanged. Hung? Hanged? Which one is it? I don't know, honestly. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's hanged because hung has a different meaning. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Let's go with hanged. (laughs) Let's go with hanged. But he basically struck the body of the rat. I don't want to picture a rat that's hung. No, Thor! Bad image, bad image. (laughs) Stop! Moving on. The rat's corpse. <laughs> I can't stop thinking about <laughs> the hung rat. <laughs> the hung rat. This rat, who may or may not have been hung, had its body strung up on a miniature version of the gallows, which he built himself. And visitors to the palace were forced to walk past the tiny body of said rat. Um, yeah, and they were ba- basically it warned them what would happen to them if they messed with the czar's dolls. I mean, what more do I even need to say? Most children do mock tea parties or mock meetings, this man held a military tribunal for a rat. No wonder his wife overthrew him. And no wonder there was almost no opposition. Like, he was hated. So there you have it. The monarch with a military king who found a rat guilty of treason. And that concludes story number three. Thor, thoughts? Okay, um... Well, my, my mind immediately goes to, you know, the body of a rat's not weighing so much. So I don't think gravity would allow it to die just by hanging. Mm-hmm. Um, so Are you getting more physics on my stories? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of, like, tells me there's a flaw in the story. Or, like, you know, I'm guessing. Because, I mean, you could, you could of course string up the rat and then have it starved to death and just tell people it's it it choked or whatever no no it was hanged hung hanged hunged it was it was hung hung and it was hanged (laughs) the rat was hanged (laughs) just to clarify yes okay um then i'm gonna go with the story number three being false all right all right 
Okay, well, I'm not going to tell you. Um, and I'm not going to okay. tell you, lovely listeners. Oh, man, I really don't envy you guys. I mean, I was like, before we started recording, I was going over the stories and I was like, if I wasn't doing this podcast and I was listening to this podcast, which story would I think that I told, you know, it, I mean, it was really messed up in my head. But I think I even I was having a really difficult time figuring out which one was true. They're all pretty messed up. And I feel like there are decent arguments for and against all of them. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they all have that that strange factor that kind of tells you that they could be fictional. But, you know, knowing history, they could also all be true. Yeah. I mean, they are all, all three of them are real monarchs. They're all real yeah, people. Yeah, rooted in, history. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I promise you, I'm not cruel enough to be like, two truths and a lie, and then have all three of them be true, or all three of them is false. I promise you, no, two okay. of them are definitely true, and one of them is definitely false. So now, um, lovely, lovely listeners, you've heard all three stories. You've hopefully absorbed all three stories, and you're now faced with deciding which one is false. Um, take some time, think about it, because I genuinely want to know what you guys think. So I want you guys to comment or message me or let me know, and I'm going to let you know some of the ways that you can tell me what your guess is. So first of all, we have an Instagram page called a littlebithuman.com, um, and we will have a post up about the episode, so you can leave your guess in the comments. Um, for those of you who have iPhones, this is something I recently found out, but all iPhones automatically have Apple Podcasts on it. Um, and I think it's the same for Google Podcasts with Androids. Now, Apple Podcasts has a comment or a review feature, which something like Spotify, unfortunately, doesn't have. But if you have an iPhone, you can go onto Apple Podcasts and you can comment what your guess is, you know. Or if you think this was, you know, if you don't know which one is true, you can comment and be like, Isha, you're really irritating. I couldn't guess which one was right. Um, but, you know, it's your choice. Um, you can also, if you don't want to do any of those things, you could find me on social media, DM me, message me. If you know Thor, message him. I'm sure he'd love to get messages being like, so Thor, this one was true. And he's going to be like, what's happening? Who are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going to be the person messaging you. Oh, no. Oh, no. What have I opened <laughs> myself up to? Good Lord. This is not going to end well. Um, but you can also go to our fantastic online magazine, a littlebithuman.com, and you can leave a comment on the article with the podcast link. So there are lots of options, you know, let me know. I genuinely really want to know. And as for the right answer, I'll tell you guys in the next episode. I know, I know I'm a terrible person making you wait that long, but hey, this gives you an incentive to come back and listen to the next episode. So don't complain. Now, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I know I had so much fun telling these stories and hey, if enough of you like this format, we'll do more of them. Um, thank you so much, Thor, for coming and listening to me ramble about these weird kings and queens. Of course. Great to be here, finally, on this side Great. of the show. I know. You're like, you're like, oh, my God, I have to speak instead of <laughs> listen to Isha? I mean, to be fair, you did have to listen to me a lot this episode as well. True. Yeah. But we will definitely have you on again. And that is a threat. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> You're just like, okay. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but yeah, you know, this has been really fun. Um, and I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. But for now, I must depart. I'll see you next time where you'll find out if you were right or wrong. Goodbye. <laughs>